here we are. It's the first episode. I'm so excited. I appreciate you being here with me because I have been wanting to do a podcast about our sense of smell for years now, and it's finally happening. And I can't wait to share everything I know about this beautiful sense. I want to explore things. I want to explore concepts, the research that's out there. There's so many different aspects of our sense of smell that I think we don't talk about, that we don't appreciate, quite honestly. And as a society, I don't think we think enough about our sense of smell. So this podcast is really an opportunity for me to connect with you and share why I think our sense of smell is so important. The reason I think it's so important is probably because I've spent so much time connecting with it, right? I've For more than 20 years, I was in and around the fragrance industry and I was smelling every day. I was thinking about scents. I was thinking about odors. I was thinking about how our sense of smell is affected by different smells and odors, right? And I'm also a certified aromatherapist. So I'm also thinking about how things like essential oils affect us, how they affect our well-being. And so with that, with all of that knowledge, I thought, what better way than to try to connect with you on a more personal level and think about our sense of smell and why we should care about it. Now, this is the first episode, right? So I I started to think, okay, where do I want to start? There's so many things I want to say to you, but where's a good place to start? And I thought, well, the thing that's kind of on my mind more than anything is, why is this sense so underappreciated? Why do we not think about our sense of smell so much? And so that's what this first episode is going to be all about. I want to take a cultural deep dive into why I believe we're where we are today, right? Why we don't appreciate our sense of smell as much as we should. So I want to take a look at how we as a society, and by society, I mean a Western society, really, um, how we engage with our sense of smell and odors every single day, how we talk about it, how we include and even exclude our sense of smell in so much of what we do. And at the end of the episode, I'm going to wrap it all up with a little reflection. I always like to do a reflection at the end. You know, when I learn something new, I like to think about what can I do with that information? Is there something I can do in my life and apply what I've learned, even in some small way? So with that said, let's get started. And I hope you enjoy this episode. This is An Aromatic Life, the podcast that aims to shed light on our beautiful sense of smell and increase its profile in a culture dominated by sight and sound. My name is Frau Kagalia. I'm a certified aromatherapist and smell coach who spent over 20 years in and around the fragrance industry. What I know for sure after all these years is that our sense of smell is powerful, yet is so underappreciated. There's so much we can do to harness our sense of smell to be well. So join me as I explore this mesmerizing sense from all different angles and learn what it can do for you. Enjoy the show. Okay, so I want to start with this survey from 2011 done by the McCann World Group. And it was 
a study that was conducted by them where they interviewed 7,000 16 to 30-year-olds across seven different markets around the world. This is the millennial age group. So the study at the time, back in 2011, wanted to look at what motivates young people around the world. And specifically, they were trying to understand what makes this generation different from all the other generations before them. So the study was trying to gauge their interests in a lot of different categories, whether it was how they relate to their friends, what the celebrity culture was, all kinds of different things. And they really just wanted to see what actually motivates them to do things. So what was shocking to a lot of people when this survey came out, it's not shocking to me, and it's the reason I bring it up today, is that the study revealed that 53% of 16 to 20 two-year-olds, so that's over half of those surveyed, said they would rather give up their sense of smell than give up their technology. And the study made clear that for this generation, technology wasn't just an add-on. Rather, it was a tool that enabled them to sense the world and to make sense of the world. So I want to read you an excerpt from the actual study itself. They said, given a list of things, including cosmetics, their car, their passport, their phone, and their sense of smell, and they were told they could only save two, so only two things of those things, 53% of those aged 20, 16 to 22, and 48% of those aged 23 to 30 would give up their own sense of smell if it meant they could keep an item of technology. So that was most often their phone or laptop. We all know how important technology is to young people, but a willingness to sacrifice one of their human senses to keep it shows just how intrinsic technology has become. So there's so much to unpack there, obviously not the least of which is this phenomenon of how our phones, how technology has become an added sense in a way. And that's a whole other episode. It's a fascinating one, which I'm sure I'll touch on at some point for sure. But for the purpose of this episode here, what I want to talk about is what the study reveals for me is that us, quote, older people, um, so that's me or my parents or my grandparents, over the years, I'm realizing that we as a society haven't really been making smell a part of the conversation, especially in the media. You know, in TV, movies, social media, that's a huge part of how we take in information and it cues how we talk about things in culture, in our everyday life. It kind of defines our cultural norms. So because we haven't thought about it much, how can we expect young people to care about it? That's really what I got out of the study. And it's so fascinating. That's 2011. I can only imagine 10 years later that it's got to be a higher number even back than back then because we haven't changed as a culture. We're still not thinking about smell that much. So let's think about how we talk about smell today. So how we use it in our everyday language. So first thing that we have, of course, is what's on our face, our nose. So I was wanting to see how do we talk about our nose? So I went to the online slang dictionary and typed in the word nose. And what came up was words like beak, 
honker, schnoz, you know, all these words that we hear colloquially in, in our everyday language. And it seems like these words are always being used in a really derogatory way. It always has a negative connotation. So I was even thinking about expressions we use related to the nose. Things like, keep your nose out of my business, or you're so nosy, and I want to rub your nose in it, um, or you have your nose up in the air, you're such a snob. So those are all different ways we talk about just our nose, and they're pretty much negative thoughts. And similarly, when we think of odors, we immediately go to bad smells before good smells. So think about it. If we if something smells, it almost always implies something smells bad. What's that smell, you'll say? You have to add a positive adjective like that smells good to signal otherwise. And, you know, I, I was thinking also sometimes people say I smell a rat or that smells fishy to me. Always negative. So nose and smell, those two words have a lot of negative connotations. And so the truth is, we're really a very visual and oral society. So if I think about language and those two senses, the visual and oral senses, then I think about how positively we speak about those two senses. So we speak about people being visionary or having good hearing, being a good listener, having good taste, or having dexterity. You see how we're you know, dexterity is even the sense of touch. So those are all very positive associations we have with those senses. And you you never hear anybody saying, you're such a good smeller. Oh, you have a really good nose for these things. Or what a great nose you have. We say things like, I see what you mean. Have you seen that? Look on the bright side. Love at first sight. Or... Don't believe everything you hear. Sounds too good to be true. It sounds like you... Have you heard? How we engage with the world, so how we interpret it, I think we've been led to believe it's largely a result of what we see and hear. Our sense of smell has a really low status in Western culture. And our Western culture has us believing it's all about sight and sound these days. And that was reflected in that study that I just told you about. So one of the things that I wanted to do was, let's talk about how we might have gotten here. Why do we not think about our sense of smell so much? Or when we do think about it, why does it have such a negative connotation? So I did some digging. I did some investigating, as I like to do. And what you're going to learn about today is I'm going to take you back a little bit in history because I think it's good to reflect on some major milestones that might have gotten us to where we are today. And one of the things that I learned was it turns out it wasn't always this way where we don't think about our sense of smell a lot. Back in antiquity, in fact, we thought a lot about our sense of smell. And there's this great book called Aroma, the Cultural History of Smell. It's by Constance Claussen, David Howes, and Anthony Sinnott. And it's this deep dive into the role smell has had in Western culture. 
And I want to emphasize Western culture here and everything I'm going to be talking about here today is because so much of what we know historically about smelling and scents and aromas and odors is based off of the European history. So I'm reading a lot more now about other parts of the world, but for the purpose of this first episode, and because so much of our Western society is rooted in kind of how Europeans approach things, for the purpose of this episode, this is going to be a Western perspective. And I'm definitely going to touch on other perspectives in, in future episodes. So please know that this is just for the purpose of this exercise. And I wanted to just show you because our, our society here in the West is so much rooted in European history. And so that's why we are the way we are today. So what the book in and the research revealed was really interesting. So there's so much goodness in this book. I highly recommend it. I'll put a link to the book in the show notes. And I encourage anybody who's really interested in history and who wants to learn more to read that book and, and, and explore this topic even further, this historical topic um, as it relates to European history. So for the purpose of today, though, I want to highlight how much scent was at the forefront of people's everyday lives in Europe, unlike today in the Western culture. Because it turns out that for centuries, societies led really richly scented lives. In fact, smells of all kinds were an integral part of everyday life, which is so wonderful. So to give you an example, back in the time of antiquity, so that's around the first century AD, scent was used for all kinds of things. So it was just all over the place. So for personal attraction, which is a lot like today, we still have that need to attract others. And we do that through perfume. Back then, perfumes were all natural and they were made of herbs and flowers and aromatic spices and resins of all kinds. And they were used to attract suitors. And what's interesting is that this custom of using perfume came from the ancient Middle East over to the West, to ancient Greece and Rome. So they were heavily influenced by what the Middle East was doing. And they brought back a lot of aromatic ingredients from these regions. So much history in how perfume came to Europe through other Arabic and African and Asian cultures. So that might be a topic I explore in the future. But to go back to what was happening in ancient Rome and Greece. So another interesting thing was these dinner parties. So imagine this in the book, it describes it so vividly, but it gives this great example of what a successful dinner party in ancient Greece or Rome might look like. So they'd have these fragrant, fresh flowers on the bouquet floor. They'd have the table rubbed with mint leaves. They'd have the diners themselves wearing these fragrant garlands that are made of roses and violets and hyacinths, thyme, rosemary. Can you just imagine the smell of these garlands? They must have smelled so good because they were all fresh. Everything was natural. And they'd have scented water, which was offered to the guests in between courses so they could wash their sticky hands since they used their fingers to eat. 
you know, today we don't obviously eat with our fingers, but back then they didn't have utensils. They used your fingers. So scented water was used. And then at the end of the meal, they would burn incense to clear the scent of the food and make the air pleasantly spicy. And it was also a way to do an offering to the household gods. Incense was very important back then. And then another interesting thing is so for public events, if you think about the Roman amphitheaters, they had their stages sprinkled with saffron and other scents. And the air inside was sweetened by fountains, which would spray perfume water into the air. So that was their way of our, what we would call our diffusers today or our air fresheners in a space. So they would sweeten the fountains and then that the perfume would just uh, be emitted throughout the whole amphitheater. And apparently putting on a good show also meant putting out a good scent. So the spicy sweet scents weren't just a way to please and ex excite the spectators. But uh, what's really interesting here is they speculated that it helped make them feel more involved in the activities in a way that wasn't just visual. So scents were a much more personal and intimate way to connect with the spectator. So not only would spectators see and hear the pageantry in front of them in this amphitheater, but they'd breathe it in and feel connected with it and with each other because everyone was breathing in the same sense. They were having the same experience in this amphitheater. So that's this emotional piece that's so important that I want to talk about in future episodes, even, even more depth. But just so you really are aware, smelling and scent are such an emotional thing for us. There's a real emotional connection between smelling and feeling. So even funerals, if we get into that, in Greece and Rome, corpses were washed and anointed with perfume. And you might put a branch of cypress at the front door of the house of the deceased. And incense would be burned along the funeral procession to gain favor with the gods and to ward off the ill odor of death. So scent was so central to everything people did back in ancient Greece and Rome. Okay, there's so much more in this book, but this I just wanted to give you an idea of how much scent played a part in people's lives in ancient times. Basically, there wasn't a moment in the day when there wasn't a scent of something wafting in the air. It was all around them. It's not like today, if I think about today, it's so sanitized today. When you smell around, most places are sanitized. The whole point is to keep things from smelling. It's completely de-emphasized to have something have an odor or a smell or a scent in any way, especially public places. We're doing everything possible to minimize the smell, to neutralize smells as much as possible. We might still wear perfume on our own body. Even a lot of people don't like that these days. People don't wear as much perfume as they used to. And if they do, it's a much softer perfume scent. I'm going to talk about that in a future episode. What does that say about us as a society and, and personally? But smell has become something very individual. It's very personal. Unlike back in the ancient times and antiquity, it was much more collective. It was something that was a shared experience. So really interesting how that's changed. 
So when did things change? What caused things to change? That's what I wanted to understand. So we have this time in antiquity and we have today. What has caused this major shift from your sense of smell, sense and smelling being so important or so integral to our everyday lives and where we are today, where it's either a negative connotation or we don't talk about it at all and we try to neutralize it as much as possible and try to keep it to a minimum, neutral, make it smell clean or not at all. How did we get here? Well, it seems that things started to take a turn with the rise of Christianity in the fourth century. So this was a major milestone. Personal use of perfumes were seen as a frivolous luxury and it led people to doing mischievous things. So it was frowned upon. Sensual lust was meant to be avoided. Basically, it was about denying all the senses, but most notably the sense of smell and sense because of the sensual seductive connotation it had associated with it. But they did realize that scents were deeply embedded in the culture already, so they couldn't really get rid of it completely. So, for example, incense became a symbol of prayer and became part of the Christian ritual. And fragrant flowers and their odors became symbols of virtue and grace. And there was this really interesting juxtaposition of good and evil. Christians believed all priests emitted a sweet odor. So scholars think this belief probably came from the rose garlands that they wore on festive occasions and the incense that they were constantly surrounded by. So a sweet smell was a good smell. It was a holy smell. While the stench of everyday smells, you know, the hear the stories of how they'd be food lying on the street and there was no sanitation. So there was human and animal excrement in the streets. Those smells were the smells of moral corruption. And of course, the ultimate evil odor was emitted by the devil himself. So that went on for a really long time as Christianity really took hold in Europe. And the next really significant period where things changed and where our sense of smell was really devalued and it started to accelerate was in the 18th and 19th centuries. So during the Age of Enlightenment or the Age of Reason, as it's also sometimes referred to. And this is when philosophers and scientists started gaining in stature. During this time, there's a lot of focus on rational thought and rational measurement. Both of these lent themselves to appreciating sight as the superior sense over all the other senses. So it was about maps and microscopes and money. So anything that was emotional or intuitive or seductive, which are all the elements that our sense of smell has, if you think about our sense of smell, it is really emotional and it's very intuitive. And it can be very seductive, these scents. Well, that was seen as a threat. It was seen as animalic in a way. The sense of smell was seen as a threat to this more impersonal, this more rational and detached scientific thinking. Philosophers especially believe that the sense of smell was expendable. So I was reading Freud and Ellis were the biggest influences here. They thought that by repressing the sense of smell, it was a sign of a civilized man. 
and that repressing smell in society was necessary for evolutionary and cultural progress. So they thought if you focus too much on smell, you'd be going backwards and regressing to more primitive times. Interestingly, if you look at Charles Darwin, he himself thought that humans lost their sense of smell in the process of evolving from animals. So that was clear in the 18th and 19th century with the rise of these philosophers and science itself that we were moving away from our sense of smell. The superior senses, the most superior was vision and then secondary was the oral sense, your sense of hearing. So that brings us to today. We're living in really challenging times. We're living through a global pandemic and the COVID-19 virus has been such a devastating thing to happen to humanity. What's really interesting is that one of the primary symptoms of the virus is losing your sense of smell, which begs the question, was COVID-19 a wake-up call for the importance of our sense of smell? Is such a devastating virus actually making us appreciate our ability to smell? I've been doing a lot of reading in, in the media over the last months, over this whole summer, and here are just a few of the comments I've read in articles over the past months from people who've lost their sense of smell due to COVID. So this is an excerpt from a New York Times writer. She writes, I never thought I'd miss the fetid odor of garbage and fish wafting through the window of my sixth floor Chinatown walk-up. I do. But I miss the good smells most. I find myself adrift in the city with an inability to connect with all of the whiffs that are so quintessential to New York. I yearn to smell black truffles at Lasardi's on the Upper East Side that always reminded me of the pungent scent of wet earth and sex the comforting musty smell of old used books at the Strand, and the smell of wet dog and traces of skunky marijuana swirling past me at Tompkins Square Park that kept me grounded. I've tried to make a list of some of my favorite scents before they fade from my memory, but every day I find new things that I'll miss. So that's really clear how much when you lose your sense of smell, how much you long for it again. And it, it makes you really wake up and think, wow, I, I, I've kind of taken for granted all these smells that I have around me and I don't think about them much. Here's another example from a student who writes, I had never realized how powerful a sense of smell was until I didn't have it. Smells have the ability to instantly transport you to another time and place. However, after contracting the coronavirus and experiencing life without a sense of smell and taste, I realized that smells play a huge factor in my life. My experience without a sense of smell was very uncomfortable because I had gotten so used to the idea of smelling and tasting everything. I could hardly taste my food, let alone smell anything. Contracting the coronavirus alone was a very eye-opening experience, but losing my ability to smell gave me the opportunity now to further my appreciation of the power of an amazing scent. It's very clear that when you lose something, you appreciate it more. That goes for anything. In this case, losing their sense of smell made them realize how important it was to them. It was something they'd always just taken for granted. And it's estimated that about 40% of people who get COVID lose their sense of smell. Luckily, most people get it back, but many are faced with this distorted sense of smell. 
It's often called parosmia, but so they can smell, but the smells are distorted. And that's a lot of people being awakened to the idea of smell who are being confronted with their sense of smell. And obviously I think it's a terrible thing to lose your sense of smell. I don't wish it on anyone, but what I think COVID has done is it's opened up a conversation. We're starting to talk about our sense of smell more. It's seeping through the media and into communities now. People are reading these stories like I did, and many are being confronted with it personally, if not through a family member or a friend, then through themselves. And that awareness is something. It's not how I imagined or wanted awareness to be raised. Let's be clear about that. But it is important that we are starting to talk about it in our culture and in the media. So my friends, all I can say is that if you've got your sense of smell, use it. A couple of things I want to leave you with, some things you might want to do in your everyday life. I always like to reflect on what I've learned and then apply it in some way. And so I've got two things that I'd love for you to think about doing, and they're really easy. So the first one is think about how much our world revolves around sight and sound. These are beautiful senses. Don't get me wrong. I'm a very visual person as well, and I love to listen to music. But notice how much we lean on these two senses, how much we're influenced by them through the media, through books, through language, everything. And make a conscious effort to notice. Call it out when you see it. I think you'll be amazed at how much we're influenced by what changed in history, those key moments that I talked about earlier. And then the second thing I'd love for you to do is make a conscious effort to focus on smelling more. Smell everyday things in your house. I mean, think about it. Do you even know what your house smells like? When you leave your house and you walk in, smell it. See what that's like. And try this exercise. Try doing this for one day. From the moment you wake up to the time you go to sleep, smell everything just for one day. So that means when you get up, if you have a partner who's lying next to you, smell them or smell your children or your pets. Then when you go take a shower, smell your shampoo, smell your soap, smell your deodorant, um, smell everything when you're getting ready for the morning routine. You probably are already smelling them subconsciously, but I'm asking you to do this more consciously, more actively. And then when you go have breakfast, smell your coffee, smell your tea. Throughout the day, smell the foods that you're eating. If you go outside, if you go to a store, smell things. Take it all in and smell purposefully. You see, if each of us takes just the smallest steps makes the tiniest effort to focus on smelling, we're going to make progress. We're going to bring our sense of smell to the forefront, or at least more to the forefront than it is now. Thanks for joining me on An Aromatic Life. If you're interested in learning more about your sense of smell from all different perspectives, subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends too. And it would be so helpful if you could rate the podcast so it helps others find it too. I also invite you to check out my website, anaromaticlife.com, where I share lots of information, including my projects around the sense of smell. 
Until next time, remember to smell everything and have a wonderful day. <laughs>